Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the 20th of September, 2022. Happy Tuesday. To, I had to look that up. Happy Tuesday to you. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening. And uh, rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth. They put her uh, finally to rest today. I'm not going to talk about that, though. Today's show is going to be a special dissection, perhaps even vivisection, of 60 Minutes, because screw them. They deserve it, and of Joe Biden and his lies. So we'll get to that as quickly as we possibly can. First, remind you, of course, naturally, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or to DerekHunter.locals.com if you like what you hear here today and you think, oh, I'd like to support that program because this program would like your support. Check it out there. Five bucks a month is all we ask. And you get, or if you sit here and you listen to that and say, you know what, I want my news with a little more F-bombs, or a lot more, as it were. Uh, then you can get that every Saturday at the Weekend F and Review, and then you say, you know what, all I really want out of life is autographed books. Got you covered there, too. It's the trifecta, if you're really weird. You can win an autographed book every week. There's one up for grabs this week. It is Brad Thor versus Billy Idol. That's right. Brad Thor versus Billy Idol. Brad Thor's first edition of Full Black. Billy Idol's first edition of his autobiography, Dancing with Myself, both autographed by the author. Supporters of the program get to enter at uh, the patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. So it's just a way to say thank you for you guys supporting the program. All right, that's enough rambling. Let's get because we got a lot to get to. Let's get to it. We've got to uh, start off, of course, with our idiot president. My God, <clears throat> how the hell does this guy, how does this guy have a job? And I'm not talking about Joe Biden. I know how Joe Biden has a job. We all are sadly aware of how Joe Biden has a job. I'm talking about Scott Pelley. Scott Pelley is an award-winning journalist. Actually, if you are a liberal, you're an award-winning journalist. If you are in journalism at all and you're a leftist, you're an award-winning journalist. They shower you with gifts with awards, with everything you can possibly imagine. Oh, my goodness, golf claps every time you enter the club. All the garbage that they do. And they just, they sit there and they believe it. That's the problem with these people is they believe their own hype. They create the hype. They engage in the hype. They hype other people and they still sit there and go, oh, we're so wonderful, aren't we? Look at what we do. And look at how we do it. We're so masterful. Oh, my goodness. Bow down before me. And they all do it. It's a sort of an honor system amongst journalists. But Scott Pelley is an embarrassment. He should be an embarrassment to what once was allegedly journalism. Now, I'm, I'm told I haven't experienced this firsthand, but I am told that at one point, honest to God, that journalists did journalism. I know, it seems unlikely, but that's what I'm told. I'm just repeating what I've been told. Now they don't. Now they do PR for Democrats. Now they do straight-up PR. We've got a lot of the audio from Scott Pelley's little shindig last night with the President of the United States on 60 Minutes. And you sit there and you go, these people, this used to be the show. This was, oh my goodness, you didn't want 60 Minutes anywhere near you. There was 
you know, Chris Wallace, uh, no, Mike Wallace, sorry, ugh. Uh, Mike Wallace and Morley Safer and all that. I can't think of all the other people except for the angry, angry guy at the end, Andy Rooney, screaming at the camera about get off my lawn. But they did journalism. They used to do some investigations. Remember that? Where's hidden cameras? And then they would confront the people with the hidden cameras who were exposed doing things. Now they don't. Now it is straight up so-called interviews and profiles. It really has become People magazine for the political crowd. In addition to Joe Biden, fittingly, they interviewed the president of Iran last night on the show. So you go from one guy accusing half of his country to being terrorists to the actual literal largest funder of, of uh, terrorism in the world. And there's no... You know, claim in the middle, like, hey, you know, this guy used to, he points at everybody who didn't vote for him, says you're a terrorist. But this guy actually pays people to blow themselves up and take other people with them. None of that. No self-awareness whatsoever. Because they don't have to. So, Scott, there's a lot of stuff. And there's no, well, there are a couple of moments where you sit there and you go, this is a Scott Pelley missed opportunity. This is Scott Pelley embarrassing journalism. But most of it was just... Joe Biden sort of embarrassing himself. The questions as they were, were um, the equivalent of having a manservant with you at the driving range. You know, or I guess the fancier driving ranges have the, you hit the button and the ball comes out and it uh, is automatically placed on the tee for you. But back in the day, they didn't have the robotic arm. You'd have a manservant there. And you'd hit the ball, and the manservant would come running up and put the ball on the tee again, so you wouldn't even have to bend over. You can just keep going, sipping your mint julep and talking to everybody else at the club. That's what Scott Pelley basically did, except Joe Biden kept slicing the ball. Kept slicing the ball. All right, let's get to the audio because it is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for the president although he doesn't know. And I'm also embarrassed for Scott Pelley for the lack of follow-up, for the lack of serious questions, and all of the things that you will hear throughout this uh, this episode, if you will, of these clips. First, we get Joe Biden talking about his, uh, his age and whether or not he's slipping. Joe Biden is slipping. Joe Biden hasn't lost a step. Joe Biden has lost a couple of staircases when it comes to his mental acuity, but that has not stopped him. It will not stop him from, realistically, Joe Biden having the mental capacity to do the job is solely based on his insistence. And you can take his insistence for what it's worth, but you can also take all of the evidence to the contrary for what that's worth. All the video of him lost, all the video of him shuffling around a stage, lost, trying to shake hands with people who aren't there, not really knowing what's going on, him telling the press, oh, uh, if I take questions, they'll be mad at me. Who? the voices in your head, your staff, like, I'm not really sure you are aware who the president of the United States is. But then you have to factor in the fact that Joe Biden has always been stupid. Joe Biden is a dumb person. So is it senility or is it stupidity? Or is it a little bit of both? It's hard to tell because smart people occasionally 
Get it right, a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally. And people with senility, dementia, do have moments of lucidity, especially when they are clearly pumped full of every drug in, in the world. Today, Joe Biden, this morning, Joe flew over to the UK to attend the Queen's funeral. And they're, oh, Joe Biden was the first to arrive. What's going on? Can you imagine the num- the amount of drugs? Because I saw the tweets about Joe Biden being the first to arrive. They started about 6 a.m. So Joe had to have gotten there overnight. I'm sure he slept a little on the plane. But can you imagine? doesn't matter what time of day it was here and what time zone he's used to. The amount of drugs they had to pump him full of to make sure that there was no video of him falling asleep. I'm sure they gave just a little... They're cattle prods, and then they're little pokers. I'm sure Jill had uh, a little poker where she'd zap him just a little bit, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. But I'm sure they pumped him full of drugs that they probably got from Hunter because it looked like, you know, Hunter went days and days and days without sleeping. And if anybody knows a drug that'll keep you awake, it would be Hunter Biden, who was also a uh, topic of discussion in the interview for a second, for a second. Uh, That's how you know how bad Scott Pelley is. Anyway, here is uh, Joe Biden and whether or not his uh, his mind is slipping. Mr. President, you are the oldest president ever. Pretty good shape, huh? Which leads to my next question. You are more aware of this than anyone. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then, then you know, that's one thing. That's another thing of just watching and, and, you know, keep my schedule. Do what I'm doing. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't, when I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together, I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how, how old are you? What are you, what did you say? You know, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. Proof of the pudding is in the eating. No, the proof is in the pudding. As far as that, maybe, maybe back in nineteen ticketty two, it was the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And it sounds like something Bill Cosby used to say to his victim: "The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Eat the pudding, then you eat the get, and then you fall asleep on the couch, and then Daddy comes in and does gross things to you." I bet you Joe is partied with with Bill Cosby. But you sit there and you listen to this guy and you go, "Watch me." Watch me. What is that, your kink, Joe? Like, watch me. I like to be watched. But it's one thing to think if I don't have the end. I don't care if you're bounding around and jumping up and down. I can, you know, you can animate a dead frog with enough electricity or whatever, or a semi-dead frog with enough drugs. When I'm with our NATO allies, they don't sit around and, and I'm holding them together. What, is NATO teetering on the verge of civil war constantly? Is NATO teetering on the verge of collapse and without Joe? And boy, howdy, without Joe sitting there kind of wondering what half these countries are and what's going on and why he's in this room with these weird people. Is that really that tentative of an organization? It survived. They say Donald Trump was the worst president ever. He was a monster. He alienated all our allies. If that's true, somehow NATO survived. Somehow NATO survived all of that. In fact, NATO... Donald Trump got NATO allies to start ponying up what they're supposed to pay for NATO membership. 
for the first time in ages, he got them to start paying more. And we're teetering on the verge of collapse except for this senile old man at the head of the table? I don't I don't think so. I, if NATO is in that bad a shape that it is only held together by the sheer mental capacity and willpower of Joe, Joseph Robinette Biden, it's time to send it off to the glue factory, for God's sakes. <laughs> Look at me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me now. Huh. Get up with your bad self. He wasn't done, though. Now, if you're really, truly believe and know that you don't have this mental problem, you're not slipping, what do you do? You're just going, look, this is a ridiculous question. Everybody knows. Watch me. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm on my butt. And that's it. Moving on. Joe doesn't do that. Joe talks for quite, he talks for quite a while already. Well, if I was with my NATO allies. Yeah. They love having a, a senile old fool who's doing everything opposite of his predecessor because his predecessor made him pay more. But the proof is in the pudding, and the pudding is in the pop, and the pop is in the... Just lay down on the couch and eat the pudding. It's okay. Joe continues. I mean, I, I respect the fact that people would say, you know, you're old. and But I think it relates to how much energy you have and whether or not the job you're doing is one consistent with what any person of any age would be able to do. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, there's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. So you're still groping staffers in the hallway, shoving them against the wall, trying to overpower them to have your way with them. You're 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 raping staffers. Is that is that now? I got an isolation on Joe's answer here because it's it's hilarious. How's your focus? It's sharp. It's this. If you if your existence makes the case, you don't need to make a case. First of all, you wouldn't be asked the question. But if your existence makes the case, you don't need to make the case. You got it. It's over. Hey, there you go. Instead, he goes on and on and on and on and on about just about everything. He can't really make the case. But he says, no, my, my mind, is, how's your, my mind is, is just fine. And then listen to him. Not what he says as much as what he's covering. He goes, now, this is a question about focus. And granted, I don't have the best focus sometimes. I go off on tangents all the time. But I uh, always bring it back home. Joe starts and stops four or five different topics. Starts and stops four or five different answers. He starts, it, it's about focus. And he does everything except focus on the answer. All while and says, my focus is great. I'll tell you, I, um, well, you would I be able to, and what about, listen to it for yourself. Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, 
There's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. I haven't thought. I just, there's nothing I don't look. I I haven't observed. There's nothing that I. Well, um, you see, but yeah, but still, and all this, like Joe, Joe, buddy, buddy, chill. All right, you're making the case against you. Now I appreciate it. We uh, on the right appreciate the help. A normal human being, even maybe Joe Biden of old. If you go back and you watch, I forget who I was talking to. Uh, was, over the, was it over the weekend? Yeah, no, I was at a party on Saturday. Um, an Oktoberfest party. where I, I was one of the few people who refused to play dress up. The, the wife and kids were all dressed up. And they and like, we got you a hat if you, like, no, I'm not, not no, no, I'm not. No, I, I'm an adult. I don't play dress up. I'm sorry. I just don't. I'm old fashioned that way. So uh, we're at there and I was talking to somebody as a conservative world party. And so I was talking about Joe and he, he, uh, he's not there. He is, if you go back and you, I forget what I told him was that if you go back to not only the 80s, because this guy I was talking to, a friend of mine, used to be a colleague, talked about Joe Biden had two aneurysms. Had two aneurysms back in the late 80s. And he did have two aneurysms, two open, open skull surgeries, which changes people. It really does. And he has them in the same sense then, I said. And I said, no, obviously you can watch before and after. And Joe was never bright, but he changed after his aneurysms. But you can go back to speeches Joe gave in 2000 teens, early teens, and he has much more to him than he does now. The energy, the focus, the ability to stay on topic, it was much better then. Oh, no, my mental acuity is fine. Yeah, no, you're always dumb. You're just senile now. That's the difference, Joe. And Scott Pelley... Offered no examples, gave no specifics, and really didn't press him on the issue at all because that would have been too much like journalism. And they don't do that over at 60 Minutes when it comes to Democrats. Now, what's funny is after Joe is done insisting, no, 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 the proof is in the pudding and I'm totally with it mentally, physically, everything. I do love how, like, hey, your brain is a little fried and people think you don't have the... have the capacity to do it. And Joe basically says, look at me, I'm in good shape. Okay, you're you're eating jello all day, so of course you're going to be in physically shape, but that that doesn't have anything to do with the issue at hand, Joe. No, no, just look at me. You want to go, I'm surprised he didn't go, you want to do some push-ups, Pelly? You want to see who, I'll show you who's in in good mental shape. What does that have to do with anything? Just shut up, stupid. You're a stupid head. That's Joe Biden's modus operandi. Anyway, uh, after insisting, no, 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 silly, what's the matter with you, son? I have the mental acuity I've always had, which isn't saying all that much. Joe then goes on to say that should China invade Taiwan, of course the U.S. will send troops. Americans' lives will be put at risk. We will go to war with China. If in China invades Taiwan, which is not open U.S. policy, 
Never, we've always been vague about it. You try and keep China guessing is what they love to try to do. But they also don't, they want to weasel out. They want to make China think, ooh, they're going to go to war with us if we do that. And uh, then you don't want to have to go to war. You just want the threat to go to war. The threat. You want to keep China, Joe doesn't keep China guessing. He says, no, of course, we're going to absolutely go to war with China should they invade Taiwan, which they're totally preparing to do ready to do, excited to do. And uh, then there's a voiceover because Scott Pelley doesn't want to do journalism in real time. He does ask the question again, and Joe just gives a straight yes. But after the interview, and if Scott Pelley were a real journalist, he would have brought this up in the interview. He would have brought it up, you know, as part of the discussion, like, hey, that's not U.S. policy, so you're changing U.S. policy. Because Joe has made this mistake before, and every time Joe Biden has made this mistake, you hear the uh, White House later on walk that back. And this happens in real time. Oh, the White House walked back what Joe was saying. So don't take the president seriously just after he talks about how smart he is and how his brain has not deteriorated in any way, shape, or form. What should Chinese... President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan. We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago, and that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging their being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes, but doesn't he sound just full of energy there? Yes. Can I? No. Yes. Well, that. I said yes. Will you let me go to bed, please? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good God. Yes. And now, what did Joe Biden say underneath Scott Pelley correcting the record? We don't know. Because you could hear Joe still talking. Like, well, yes, we would, and blah, 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 blah. And Scott Pelley in the White House later told us that Joe Biden doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And there's no way in God's green earth we'd ever let him uh, anywhere near the levers of power. We give him a play school set of, for presidenting. He's got a, off the, uh, we let him in the Oval Office for interviews, but then off there we've got like a little tyke's Oval Resolute Desk, where he sits there with a play phone and talks to Elmo all day. And don't worry, he cannot get it. Just because it's made in China doesn't mean that China can talk to him on it. So don't worry, he's not anywhere near the levers of power. And you're like, what the, what the hell? Shouldn't there be a question about that? Shouldn't Scott Pelley have known that Joe Biden has said this two or three times in the past, and each and every time Joe Biden has said this, that the uh, the powers that be, the people who Joe Biden is afraid uh, will be mad at him if he doesn't uh, leave the stage or whatever, that those people have come out and said, it's not really, uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like when you're dealing with a with a kid and you're talking to a kid and the parents in the behind them, and the kid goes, Mommy says we're going to be able to get a pony, buy a pony. And you look up at Mommy, and Mommy gives you that quick head shake like, no, 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 
you don't tell the kid no and correct the kid because the kid will start crying and ruin whatever you do. Then they just give you that. No, no, no. We're going to wait for the kid to forget that uh, mommy in a in a rosé haze once said, sure, we'll get you a pony, kid, and uh, just move on from that. But no, 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 no. That's, that's what the White House staff is. And what's funny is not only have there been times when the White House staff has publicly rebuked what the President of the United States, the alleged Commander-in-Chief, has said about various things, like we're going to go to war with China if they go... Not only that, <clears throat> but there have been stories about how Joe Biden is pissed off that his staff comes out and corrects the record after he speaks. <laughs> You're like, shouldn't Scott Pelley have known that? Shouldn't I don't know about you, but... If you're, if I know about it, and I'm not an award-winning 60 Minutes journalist, one would think that an award-winning 60 Minutes journalist with time to prepare for interviewing the President of the United States, who thought up the question, who asked the question, who knew there was a real possibility of this answer, would have that chambered instead of just reiterating the question. I want to replay that clip just to show how disconnected Scott Pelley really is, and Joe Biden, but also listen underneath Scott Pelley's narration. White House staff told us blah, blah, blah. Joe's still talking. 60 Minutes didn't want you to know what Joe was saying, which can only mean that it can't be really good. What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging their being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. Yes. Don't wake me up. Yes. Yes. All right, just let me... Can you go get my pudding? The proof is in there. I'll tell you, I'll dig right to the bottom of that pudding. And I'll show you the proof. Well, Fox News, May 31st, 2020. Headline, Biden frustrated with aides for walking back his statements. Worries he looks weak, colon report. Huh. President Joe Biden is reportedly frustrated with his staff in the White House and their efforts to, quote, rush to explain something the president has said. Quote, this so-called cleanup campaign, he has told advisors, undermines him and smothers the authenticity that fueled his rise. Is that what you really think? Oh, Joe Biden, there's nothing nothing more authentic than Joe Biden. Forget about it. What the way he gives you his word as a Biden, and family is so important to me, and then he doesn't acknowledge all of his grandkids because he doesn't like the one that Hunter had in a coke-fueled frenzy with a stripper. Yeah, oh, it's super. Boy, howdy, that's authentic. <laughs> Continues, worse, quote, Worse, it feels it feeds a Republican talking point that he's not fully in command, NBC News reported Tuesday. Hmm. 
White House, uh, the White House has walked back several of the president's statements, including when he said that Russian President Vladimir Putin, quote, cannot remain in power, end quote. The president was angry that his comments were being interpreted as unpredictable. According to NBC News, White House spokesperson Andrew Bates pushed back on the NBC report, quote, the breathlessness of paragraphs one and two versus the denial being relegated to graph 28 tells you what you need to know about this story. And as we've said before, no clarifications of the president's remarks are ever issued without his direct approval, he said in a statement. So, uh, Joe Biden tells Scott Pelley one thing, and then the White House comes back and says, you know the thing he said in the interview with you? Uh, he didn't know. No, it hasn't. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Well, why didn't the president, if the president signed off on that, why did the president say it twice? If the president, no, the president, we don't ever issue clarification. If you, uh... If you got it twice from Joe, why didn't Joe give it once to the camera? I don't know. I'm not an expert in Joe Bidenisms, but I would think that if you are going to go out and correct it, you come up to me after a show and you say, look, Derek, you really sort of pooped the bed on this one. And you say, all right, I will then the next day correct it. But if I'm in the midst of the show and somebody says, hey, you know, you blah, 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 I go, you know what, I screwed that up. Joe didn't. Now, do you think they grab Joe as he's walking out of the room and say, Mr. President, we're gonna, do you mind if we walk? Is it cool if we walk back to the thing you said about China because that's not U.S. policy? Because realistically, a guy who is mentally sharp, A, wouldn't have made that mistake in the first place. Just saying, Joe. He would not have made that mistake in the first place. And secondly, a guy who is mentally sharp would say, no, you know what? I'm the president of the United States. What I say is U.S. policy. Guess what? It's U.S. policy. Instead, they come out and say, Scott, you're packing up your camera. We didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Of course, if you're Scott Pelley, award-winning journalist for CBS News in 60 Minutes, you might go, well, can we get the president back in here? Because now I have even more questions. Of course, then what, what would they be? Scott Pelley theoretically knows that what Joe Biden was, there's a reason he asked him twice. He knows that what Joe Biden is spewing is not official U.S. policy. He could have asked, so you're changing U.S. policy. You're really, you could have pressed him on this, but that ain't how Scott Pelley rolls. That isn't how any of these journalists roll. So they go with the, uh, hey, psst. he didn't mean it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, by the way, um, in the interview, they went to, they. it's amazing the access that these people get. And it's always a friendly person who gets the access to the president. There's nobody who's even skeptical adjacent to uh, what the Democratic Party line is who gets access to the president to ask for an interview. They went with Joe from Washington, D.C. to the Detroit Auto Show. I think it's called, well, at least when I lived there, it was the International Auto Show. They were worldwide. And they're walking around with Joe at the auto show, and the subject of COVID came up. COVID is over. Joe Biden has declared the pandemic to be over, which makes you wonder 
like if it's over, that was his justification for the student loan quote unquote forgiveness. They wouldn't let uh, Novak Djokovic come in to compete in the U.S. Open. It's still a requirement to come to the United States legally to have gotten the jabs, gotten the shots. Legally, you can march across the southern border and say, no habla English. Have you had the shot? No habla English. And then they'll ask you in Spanish if you've gotten the shot. And you go, no habla Espanol. Just get out of my way. Send me anywhere but Martha's Vineyard, because then you'll be catapulted off the island really quickly. But uh, the the pandemic is over, which really kind of torpedoes Democrats' plans to have mail-in balloting all over the country in the midterm elections. I would like to see this cited as reason, because the Biden administration's been all over the place. When it comes to... Rule 42 and keeping illegal aliens out of the country because of the pandemic. They said, no, there's no pandemic. Come on and let them come on. Everybody come in. When it comes to members of the military saying, I have a religious objection to this vaccine because it uses aborted stem cells. They say, no, no, it's a pandemic. It's an emergency. We have these emergency powers. We cannot waive that. You or you're drummed out of the military. That's it. It is all situational. There is no emergency. Let in all the illegals. There is an emergency. We have to forgive a half a trillion dollars to a trillion dollars in student loans. It can't be both. Well, now we've got the president on record. The pandemic is over. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Then does that mean that we can stop the emergency spending? Does that mean we can claw back all the money that you've earmarked for things to keep the economy going, to keep this, keep the, the hundreds of billions of dollars that are out there that are unspent, that states were given to, for COVID relief and now that they don't need it, they haven't spent it and they're trying to find new ways to do it. The tens of billions of dollars at school districts are starting those smoothie machines. We need smoothie machines with our COVID relief money. We need, we need new playgrounds with our COVID relief money. No, you don't. That just, to me, means you don't need that much COVID relief money if you're going to sort of set it on fire that way. But that ain't what Joe means. Does that mean the student loan forgiveness thing is over? No. COVID is whatever it needs to be for the Democrats. Whatever they need. In the name of COVID, they will invoke it and say, we need to do something. We must spend more money. They're trying to spend a bunch more money in the name of COVID relief. But when uh, the rubber hits the road and people are sick of masks, they go, oh, we don't need that. We don't need How many Democrats across the country will argue for an expansion of mail-in ballots and drop-off boxes and everything else that Democrats love because it make it easy to cheat? How many of them will be out there? Saying, no, the pandemic is, this is why we need to do it. Surprised the White House didn't walk this one back. Oh, I just saw this on Twitter. This is too good. We'll get back to more Joe in a minute. But I just saw some guy named Jack Turban, MD. He's a verified Twitter account. He's got the uh, pride flag, the trans flag, and uh, some kind of brain emoji in his verified Twitter account. His... Uh, 
is bio reads assistant professor at the uh, UC San Francisco Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. He's trans youth mental health researcher, blah, blah, blah. He's written in the New York Times and others. And he's hashtag queer. And the views are his and not his medical advice, it says. He says, four years Harvard, four years, five years Yale, three more years at Harvard, two years at Stanford. But Karen and a whole bunch of numbers has some thoughts about sex chromosomes. Boy, he is living proof that you cannot uh, educate away stupid, isn't it? You cannot teach away stupid. <laughs> a lot of people are educated beyond their intelligence. Most of them have letters after their name and insist on them. It is when you uh, start off with the my mind is fun. Why it's working like a steel trap. And the problem is that the steel trap is closed and everything is sort of kept out of it. That's that's the problem there. And you you start off with that and then you watch the rest of this interview, you listen to the rest of this interview and you realize we're in much worse shape than anybody lets on. And you can see what look they had to give an interview eventually it had been something like 200 days since they'd had any kind of interview. CBS 60 Minutes is still, it it has this um, muscle reflex reaction to it. 60 Minutes is serious journalism. Why? Because 60 Minutes used to be serious journalism. And people are slow to adapt. Most people aren't watching 60 Minutes. So the people who don't watch 60 Minutes have that reflex back to the, the 70s, 80s, and go, oh, serious. It'd be a tough interview. Just like it used to be with Meet the Press before Chuck Todd absolutely ruined the brand for having a decade of being terrible at the job. Used to be after Tim Russert died, it was still, well, meet the, you go on Meet the Press, you're in for a tough time. Doesn't matter what political party you're in. You're in for a tough time. And so when Democrats go on Meet the Press now, there's still a contingent of the population, small as it is, who goes, ooh, they're really going to face the music over there at uh, at Meet the Press because they still think in their minds that, well, it was Tim Russert who gave tough interviews, but it was the show, really, that gave tough interviews. It's not, it's not the way at all. So 60 Minutes gets the accidental remnants of having once been a serious journalistic outfit, and it still continues as if it were in the minds of a lot of people, sadly. Well, uh, if you listen to the President of the United States, I know, I'm on the ball. I know what's going on. I'm super smart. I'm super duper pooper scooper smart. And then you listen to the guy on everything, you realize that he is either senile or woefully uninformed. Or, you know, there's a third possibility, particularly when it comes to the next topic of inflation, that he simply doesn't give a damn. Inflation does not really impact the rich. It really doesn't. They don't care. that. Oh, what did it cost to fill up your car? I bet you remember the last time it cost you to fill up your car because it went from like, you know, 20 bucks a year ago to 50 bucks now. And you're sitting there and you're going, what the hell? But the people who are rich or fabulously well, they don't care. They don't notice. They don't give a damn. Do you think they? Do you think Joe Biden fills up the beast? Joe Biden doesn't fill up the beast. Do you think he was really driving himself around town? The guy's got millions of dollars. No, that's not how it works. 
So he doesn't know he doesn't care. Do you think he does his grocery shopping? Do you think he did his grocery shopping as a senator? Do you think he did his grocery shopping as vice president? Do you think he did his grocery shopping after being vice president when he was somehow miraculously making tens of millions of dollars? 10% for the big guy adds up. No, he doesn't notice. He doesn't care. When he talks about things, he talks about them in terms of what they were when he was a kid, for God's sake. When gas would go up, my dad would convene a Biden family meeting. He'd pull out the official Biden family gavel and gavel the Biden family meeting into order and tell us gas prices are going up, we're going to have to tighten our belt. Well, that's not true at all. The Biden family came from money. Daddy lost a bunch of it because he was swindled, because he was a moron, but they had money. Also, during the entirety of Joe Biden's childhood, gas prices went up a total of two cents. Yeah, so there was no Biden family meeting on gas prices. You can tell how old somebody is by how they refer to family meetings around the kitchen table. I don't know of any, especially back in the 40s and the 50s, I don't know of any family that convened family meetings to get the kids' opinions on anything. Right? Kids were to be seen and not heard. They're not sitting there going, well, I've got my opinion on how we handle this particular shortage in the money crisis this month. But let's get the seven-year-old in here. Hey, uh, Joe, take your finger out of your nose. Don't put it in your mouth. Just put it on the table. Wipe it first. Put it on the table. We've got to talk some serious issues with you. I don't think that happened in the Biden household. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So when Joe Biden was asked about inflation, he doesn't know what he's talking about because it has never impacted him. When you're a United States senator since you're 29 years old, a United States senator through the 1970s when inflation was through the roof, uh, you're not impacted by it. Why? Because so much of your life, especially back then, as a United States senator, was paid for by your office and paid for by lobbyists. They've since changed the rules somewhat, mostly to prevent staff from having a meal bought for them by a lobbyist, but not necessarily the members. They just call them fundraisers and uh, walk out with a giant check. But every nice steak dinner at Charlie Palmer's that you have in Washington, D.C. is a steak dinner you didn't have to pay for yourself or even a, a hamburger from McDonald's that you didn't have to pay for for yourself. You save money. And then you bring along your idiot wife and uh, you bring the leftovers home for the kids. And it's win, 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 win. You can save a lot of money that way. So you don't care what things cost. You don't even notice unless you're just out of spite ordering most expensive things on the menu. Anyway, back to the question about inflation. You can also tell that Joe Biden is wildly, or wildly insecure in how he answers questions. This isn't. This would be a tough question. Word asked by a serious journalist. It's asked by Scott Pelley. So you can know that it's not, he's not really going to press the point. He's not going to interrupt you. He's not going to chime in. Like, if you remember the interviews with Donald Trump, what was it? Donald Trump would get a sentence and a half out, and then the journalist would be coming and going, but, 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 you said in the past, Mr. President, you'd, what about this, that, and the other thing? With Joe Biden, they sit back, wait, listen, and then maybe, well, excuse me, sir. However, what about this? Very, very respectful. There was none of that. None of that. 
There's none of that in the Bush administration either. Anyway, listen to the president of the United States talk about inflation. He doesn't get the concept. He doesn't understand why people have a problem with it. And he doesn't understand its scope either. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not, you're, I, mean, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's, been, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. He doesn't get it because it doesn't impact him. He doesn't give a damn. He really doesn't. And maybe his staff is misleading him. Like I say, he's not very bright, so he doesn't know. But, oh, it's, it's, it's barely nothing. Yeah, last month it was 8.2%. Now it's 8.3%. So it's only 0.1%. Yeah, month over month, but year over year. If suddenly the cost of a car triples in one month, and then it triples again in another month, and then it, it just goes up maybe 10%. You don't go, oh, victory, quit whining. I don't know what you're complaining about. You need a car, but sure, uh, it only went up 10%. What the hell do you want from me? You go, no, 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 it went up 610%, all right? 610%. That's the difference. Inflation was 1.4% when you came in office. It's sitting there and it not, you expect it to go up 8% every single month? Just to keep it in round numbers, do you expect it to be 10% every single month? So then over the course of six months, things increase in cost 60%. Anything short of that? Well, it only went up 5% this month. Oh, victory. Well, there we go. No, it normally barely went up at all, if at all. And when on an annual basis, it was going up at 1.4%, which is next to nothing. So that people who got a 3% cost of living increase or a raise or whatever they want to call it, ended up coming out ahead. They're making in real dollars, buying power dollars, living power dollars, 1.6% more than they had in the previous year. Now, thanks to Bidenomics, what do you get? If you got a 3% raise, you are eating a loss of 5.2%. Congratulations. You've actually, in real term dollars, gotten a pay cut. Joe doesn't understand it. Oh, man, that was up last month, but it was only up by 0.1% compared to the month before. Well, prices don't reset every 30 days, Mr. President. And even if they did, they'd still be up 8.3%. It's an unbelievable bit of dishonesty, stupidity, whatever you want to call it, senility. And Scott Pelley kind of pushes back on it, but he doesn't explain it the way I did. Like, you know, it's way up. It's way up. Every single month it's up. He wasn't done. You can tell Joe gets very, very defensive and very angry about every single thing that uh, anywhere. He's a nasty person. He always has been. They go on about inflation, showing again how just ignorant the president of the United States is on the subject. And in the meantime, we created all these jobs and and prices uh, have, have gone up, but they've come down for energy. The fact is that we've created 10 million new jobs. 
we're in a sense we came to office. We're in a situation where we, the unemployment rate is about 3.7 percent, one of the lowest in history. We're in a situation where manufacturing is coming back to the United States in a big way. And look down the road. We have massive investments being made in computer chips and, and employment. So, I, look, this is a process. This is a process. <laughs> the Titanic going under the uh, cold, frigid waters of the North Atlantic was a process, too. Joe. Remember, the question was about inflation and the average American. And he's talking, well, we're, we're going to build superconductors. No, you can't just open a factory. It's very specific work, and it requires a lot of education, a lot of training, and a lot of time to build to start working and building computer chips. You can't just take a 12-year-old, throw them in there, and say, this is what you do. Even if these jobs, all they are right now is concept, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we promise, we promise, we promise, but they're counting them, and Scott Pelley lets them be counted. The 10 million jobs are jobs that Democratic governors killed across the country when they shut down the economy, and then they allowed to come back after the election. They are not new jobs. But even if they were, who cares? If you can't afford your groceries... It doesn't matter how many millions of jobs are created, how many millions of people get jobs. You can't afford your groceries. That's kind of the problem. But he doesn't get it. Because why? Because he's never had to worry about anything. Joe Biden has never held a job where there was a possibility that he was going to lose that job. He's never held a job where there was a possibility that, look, we're going to need some belt tightening. We're going to need to take a break here. We're going to have to watch out. We got to look. We I know we gave you all raises, but it's a tough time for the company. And we're going to walk back that uh, that raise we gave you. And just you know, if we'd love to be able to give, there's none of that. He's always been a government employee. He's never had to worry about anything. And he's been an elected Democrat from the state of Delaware, where apparently somebody with an IQ just shy of fifty is the best and the brightest, and they'll send him to Washington, D.C. endlessly and forever. So he's never been impacted by any of this. So he's sitting there, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Now, look, presidents have always been wealthy people, by and large, not always, not exclusively, but by and large, they've been wealthy people. They've been disconnected from the repercussions of the real uh, reality around them economically. But they've always employed people who've told the truth. They've also had a bit of them that was able to have some empathy for and understanding for the people of this country. They at least faked it. Joe doesn't, Joe fakes it in the sense of, they call me middle class Joe. Okay, so quit, quit bitching, shut up. And uh, just fill your gas. They call me middle class Joe. Mr. President, we can't afford to uh, feed the family and we can't find baby formula. They call me lunch bucket Joe, too. Really? What's in the lunch pail, Joe? Caviar? Because I don't think you're hurting. I don't think you've ever hurt in your life. Born with a silver spoon in your mouth and your head firmly implanted where what is fed to you through that spoon ultimately exits your body. That's you, Joe. That's you. When listening to the president talk about the economy, it is abundantly clear to anybody he has no idea what's going on because he's not impacted by it. 
He's not. I'm, I was reading this story during the uh, earlier about the number of houses Joe Biden. Newsweek has a story from June of last year. How many houses does Joe Biden own? U.S. president's homes detail. He owns a lot of homes. He owns a, for a, a public servant. He owns an awful lot of homes. It really must be nice to be a public servant. Like all these people, like, oh, I've dedicated my life to helping the poor. Well, you're awfully rich. If I had known there was that much money in helping the poor, I might have helped the poor. Instead, I was, you know, like buying them a sandwich and stuff. But no, 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 no. You you raise hundreds of millions of dollars, and then you you take 80% of that for operating costs, and then you put the rest into real estate and all sorts of other weird little things where just a little bit gets down there. And, and you're still buying them a sandwich, but you're buying them a sandwich that uh, for some reason takes a $10 million annual operating budget to buy them a sandwich. Pretty sure a can of Campbell's chicken noodle soup before Joe Biden was pretty affordable. You could have fed an awful lot of people. You want to buy the world a Coke, and uh, now you, you can't afford to. But you're still rich. Because you care about the poor so damned much. <laughs> Doesn't matter. As long as you get to go to the Met Gala, right? Isn't that the way the left works? Well, it's hard to tell to care about the economy when you're not impacted by the economy. So this is Joe Biden talking about, he asks, is the economy going to get any better? Is it going to get worse before it gets better? There is not a single economic indicator that indicates that things are getting better. Maybe things are stopping getting worse. Maybe things have kind of level, leveled off the 82 to 8.3% inflation while Joe Biden is saying, well, that just means that there's 0.1% inflation like an idiot uh, might mean that inflation is leveling off. We don't know. It could also mean that some of the gimmicks that they've been using to try to stop the hemorrhaging have worked but there's still massive internal bleeding and you can only stop the hemorrhaging long enough and you've got to remember that everything, everything Democrats are doing right now isn't really to make your life better, isn't really to make their mistakes better. It, isn't, it is for one express purpose and one express purpose only, to get through the election without making things worse. That's what they're about. That's what they're interested in. They just want to get through November for the love of God, get through November. That's why Joe Biden... He didn't announce his, oh, I'm going to wave a magic wand and get rid of student loan debt. Uh, and for everybody else, you're going to have to, I've decided to waive payments until the end of the year. Well, why? Why not immediately? There's no justification. There's no more pandemic. You heard Joe say that. Why would you waive, continue to waive payments through the end of the year? Well, because in November there's an election. If you got a whole bunch of pissed off people who in October wrote their first student loan repayment check in three years or two and a half years, they might not be inclined to vote for you. You're no longer letting them slide. I'm talking about the contingency of people who want that. Also, if it's about to be, if you've got to start saving up and budgeting for writing that check, you're going to be a little pre-ticked off. Also, if you're going to have to pay and a whole bunch of other people are dancing in the streets because you're going to have to pay for them, too, you're going to be ticked off. So they need to get it past the election so that, you know, oopsie-daisy, 
you can take your anger out in the 2024 election when you'll have two full years to have forgotten about it, reacclimated to paying, and uh, you know be distracted by something else. So that is why they did that. But listen to Joe. He he doesn't he doesn't understand the economy because he's not impacted by the economy. Joe Scott Pelley's trying to. These questions are if you had a staffer write the questions. And he said, well, I want you to write a, a, a series of questions to make the boss look good. Give him the best chance possible to look good. These are the questions you would write. And Joe Biden still slices it off into the woods. Is the economy going to get worse before it gets better? No, I don't think so. We hope we can have what they say, a soft landing, a transition to a place where we don't lose the gains that I ran to make in the first place for middle-class folks being able to generate good-paying jobs and expansion, and at the same time uh, make sure that we, uh, uh, we are able to continue to grow. Do you have any faith in this guy at all? Do you have any belief that this guy knows what in the hell he's talking about? In any way, shape, or form, do you have any belief that he knows what in the hell he's talking about? It wasn't done. The economy is not growing. The econ- well, we hope the economy continues to grow. We are in the midst of the second consecutive quarter of negative growth. Shrinkage, for Seinfeld fans out there. Shrinkage economically. That is not growth. Scott Pelley theoretically knows this. If Scott Pelley, in fact, follows the news. If not, there's somebody in the room, there's somebody in this process in 60 Minutes who, who follows the news even loosely, who would understand that, hey, wait a second, we aren't, we're going to continue to grow, negative growth. We are in the midst of negative growth. And there's no follow-up, like, but Mr. President, we're actually in a recession, technical definition, or even the BS sort of leftist way of putting it, well, Mr. President, uh, some say, or Republicans are saying, that uh, two quarters of negative growth are a recession. How can you say we'll continue to grow? How can you say these things? None of that. None of that. Instead, Pelley asks whether or not inflation will continue to decline, even though inflation is not on the decline. Not kidding. And you would tell the American people that inflation is going to continue to decline? No, I'm telling the American people that we're going to get control of inflation and their prescription drug prices are going to be a hell of a lot lower. Their health care costs are going to be a lot lower. Their basic costs for everybody. Their energy prices are going to be lower. They're going to be in a situation where they begin to gain control again. I'm more optimistic than I've been in a long time. Hmm. So if you are on a, just a massive handful of prescription drugs every day and you have no insurance... <laughs> your costs are going to come down. If you have no insurance, no supplemental in Medicare to pay or defray the costs of your prescription drugs on the 10 specific drugs that uh, Joe Biden has been granted the ability to uh, eventually negotiate the price of, you will someday, should you live long enough, be able to save a little bit of money on those drugs Again, if you have no supplemental insurance whatsoever, no employer-provided drug coverage, and you're a senior citizen, or you just don't have any insurance whatsoever, those people can. 
maybe, possibly in the future. Except not really, because you have to be on Medicare in order to do it. So if you're in your 40s and you're on a prescription drug, even if it is one of the class of drugs that Joe Biden has granted, been granted the ability to negotiate the price of, you can actually expect your price to go up. Why? Because for senior citizens, the government is going to say to you, would you like access to these 50 million senior citizens? You would. Well, then you've got to, you've got to take a loss on this medicine. All right. Well, the government, the companies aren't going to go, all right, we'll take a loss on this. If a pill is uh, 10 bucks a pill, just again, using round numbers to keep it simple. And the government comes in and says, well, we're going to we're going to pay you five bucks a pill or you can get zero bucks a pill. Which do you want? They'll take the five bucks a pill, but they need that 10 bucks a pill. So now suddenly your pill outside of the government program, if there were the same number of people on Medicare as not on Medicare taking this pill, theoretically, you'd go, well, then your pills cost $15 each to make up that difference. You see how that works? It always finds a way. It finds its own level. It's like water. That's how market forces work. Government comes in and pollutes the market. So elsewhere in the market, it has to be made up. It can also be made up in decreased research and development, which I've covered time and time again. No need to go into it. But it can be made up that way as well. But the money has to come from somewhere. And the government runs around patting everybody on the back. We did it. We stuck it to pharma. And realistically, you're the one having it stuck to you. While these politicians congratulate themselves for how wonderful they are. They weren't done, though. Biden uh, goes on. Sir, with the Federal Reserve rapidly raising interest rates, what can you do to prevent a recession? Continue to grow the economy. And we're growing the economy. It's growing in, in a way that it hasn't in years and years. How so? We're growing entire new industries. 695, I think it is, or 85,000 new manufacturing jobs just since I've become president of the United States. Continue to grow the economy and to continue to give hardworking people a break in terms of we pay the highest drug prices in the world of any industrialized nation, making sure that Medicare can negotiate down those prices. By the way, we've also reduced the debt, we reduced the deficit by $350 billion my first year. This year, it's going to be over a trillion five hundred billion dollars reduced the debt. So to continue to put people in a position to be able to make a decent living and grow. Keep growing the economy. Well, the economy isn't growing. Yeah, but we've we've cut the debt. No, you haven't. No, you, there's a difference between debt and deficit. To put it basically, and it really it's just the basic way is the way to describe it. The deficit is the annual debt. Our budget this year is one hundred dollars, and we only raised eighty dollars. So then your deficit is twenty dollars. The debt is the culmination of all of your deficits. So if for 10 years you've operated at a $20 per year annual deficit, your debt would be $200, right? That's how it works. Our national debt is increasing exponentially. Joe Biden is throwing... And Scott Pelley, there's no pushback from Scott Pelley. There's no... Like, now, Mr. President, those numbers... 
don't add up. You don't seem to understand the concept. Or you're just full of it. There's none of that from Scott Pelley. He's just sitting there going, God, I love this guy. God, I'm so glad you're not Donald Trump. Can I kiss you? (laughs) Can you treat me like I'm Tara Reid? I'll put a wig on if that helps. I washed the wig in Prell, so you'll love it, Mr. President. He just lets it go. He just lets it slide. There's no no pointing out. You know, the, the deficit is massive because it was COVID trillions of dollars, trillions of extra dollars in spending. So unless you continue printing trillions of emergency dollars and you've declared the pandemic over, of course the deficit is going to decrease. But any amount of the deficit decreasing from emergency spending is garbage, right? It's all added to the debt. Yet you're actually spending more and more and more. As the emergency spending goes away, you're still keeping a huge chunk of it in new and creative ways, like your $1 trillion spending bill that you passed uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then the $1 trillion wave of a magic wand, we're getting, uh, getting rid of student loan debt. He sits there, and Scott Pelley, again, somebody should prep him, somebody should wake him up, somebody should pull him out from you know sniffing the throne on which Joe Biden sits and say, hey... Even if you believe these people's numbers, which you shouldn't because you can show realistic numbers that there's there's no deficit reduction and no debt reduction. The debt is increasing every second of every day. The amount of money that he's claiming to have saved, he spent with the wave of the wand and the student loan program. So all of that, that's... They always say, well, we paid for... We're spending a trillion dollars. That's paid for because we're, we're going to tax corporations. It's not going to happen. But they didn't even try to do that. There is no revenue neutral aspect of the student loan business because that would have had to have come out of the House of Representatives. You can't just pass a tax to pay for a spending program. He just said to hell with it. We'll all eat it. That's the difference. That's the problem. That's where he is. And Scott Pelley just sits there and goes, meh, sounds good to me. Why, everything is so much better. It's just wonderful. My God, aren't we lucky to have a guy like you with no real-world experience and his only private sector job was when he was in his late teens as a lifeguard at a pool in Delaware. Yes, you wonder why these people are economically illiterate and they sit there and they just spend money that doesn't exist like it does and it's theirs. It's because they've spent their whole lives living that way. They really have. Why Donald Trump was different? Not a lot of different. He didn't. He still spent way too much money, but he understood that sooner or later you got to do something. Sooner or later, the uh, assets have to equal the liability and capital. The income has to somehow get to where it's realistic. I would like to have seen Donald Trump use the veto pen an awful lot to try and force that to happen, but he at least understood the concept. Joe Biden doesn't understand how to tie his shoes, let alone economic concepts. So now we move on with Joe. He already doesn't understand how the economy works. He doesn't understand inflation. He's out there promising to go to war with China over Taiwan should they get a little too uppity with Taiwan. Should they do anything? Not U.S. policy, but hey, whatever. That's been walked back. I guess you can forgive that. But he... uh, He wasn't done yet showing just how disconnected from the reality that we face every day he is. 
When it came to gas prices, now gas prices have been up quite a bit. They're still up quite a bit. They've come down. Oh, it's the number one, no, it's the most longest drop in gas prices forever and ever and ever. You're still paying a buck and a half more per gallon than you did when Joe Biden came into office. You, is that cool? I mean, if you're cool with that, if you're like, oh, thank God, then, you know, congratulations to you. If somebody came along and just smacked you every day for six months at work, and then they said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to, instead of smack you across the face, I'm going to really just punch you in the arm really hard. It's okay. Don't worry. I know you didn't like, like being smacked in the face or punched in the nose. So I'm going to hit you in the arm, the shoulder, the gut occasion. Don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to move it around and mix it up, but I'll, uh, I'm not going to hit you in the face anymore. You're not going to go, oh, thank God. Thank you for not hitting me in the face. You're going to go stop hitting me. Just stop hitting me. Problem solved. Like, what the hell are you doing? Stop hitting me. So the idea that gas is less than it was at their peak, I mean, when you've got nothing to hang your hat on, I suppose you hang your hat on anything. That's where they are. But Joe Biden doesn't understand, and so many of the American people don't seem to understand, that all that they've done, in everything that they tried to do. And realistically, the they begged Saudi Arabia, they begged OPEC, please, Lord, please just produce more. And they said, no, why would, no, we don't, you're weak. Why would we want to do anything for you? You're weak. So you go, all right, well, that sucks. That didn't work. So the only thing that Joe Biden did was dump a whole bunch of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. A million barrels a day for like six months. What he ended up doing at the end of it all, which will take him just past the uh, the election, oddly enough. Again, one of those coincidences. All they've done is kick the can down the road. They've kicked the can down the road, but they've managed to bring down gas prices some. The rest of gas prices coming down, the lion's share of the decrease in gas prices is what? It's the fact that people aren't driving nearly as much as they used to because it's so damned expensive. When gas is five bucks a gallon and grocery prices, you know, your bill is doubled, you can't really go, you know what, let's go and uh, let's go for a nice uh, overnight day trip. We'll just go crazy. We'll, We'll drive for a couple hundred miles. Just explore. This fall, when the leaves change, one of the favorite things of people to do is, like, oh, we'll drive around, we'll look at the colors. There's going to be a lot less of that this year, even with gas prices at uh, 350 or 360 a gallon, depending on where you are. Some places more than that, some places a little bit less than that. It's going to be a lot less of that. Why? Because it costs money. If gas prices were still five bucks a gallon, there wouldn't be any of it. People go, no, I'm not going to do that. So when you're selling gasoline, and you're trying to get five bucks a gallon for it, and you're not getting five bucks a gallon for all of it. You used to sell a thousand gallons a day, and now you're selling six hundred gallons a day. You go, well, that's not working. We're getting way too. We have way too much gas sitting around. We need to keep moving the gas, so we need to lower the price of gas, so that we can move more gas. Because gas, oil companies need to keep moving it to keep making money. The gasoline stations, they don't make a whole lot of money from the gas. They make a whole lot of money from you going in there and going, yeah, give me uh, 50 bucks on pump two, and I'll have a sandwich, and I'll have a Coke, and all of it. Then they make money off of you. Just like movie theaters don't make a ton of money off the ticket sales, they make a ton of money off of you paying a fortune for popcorn and, you know, a 50-cent 
box of goobers, you pay five bucks for it. That's where they make their money from. So when you're not selling gasoline, of course the price has to come down. Gasoline can't sit around all that long in the gas stations. The government doesn't allow that. Comes bad gas. So you got to lower the price to move it because people couldn't afford it. That's not because of government action. And in fact, government, I guess it is sort of in government action because the supply chain issues and the inflation price everywhere else and everything else cause you know, groceries to go up. And people said, well, I have to either we take the road trip or we get groceries. I think it's probably best for all involved that we eat this week. So we're not going to take the road trip. So that caused gas prices to come down, too. Joe Biden, in the meantime, has risked our national security in his quest to be able to say that, yes, uh, I've lowered gas prices by so much, ignoring the fact that he increased gas prices by even more. The car show was a reminder that gasoline prices hit a historic high last June, in part because Russia cut fuel supplies in its war on Ukraine. Mr. President, the price of gasoline is down about 26% from the $5 high. What can you do to keep that price down while Vladimir Putin is throttling energy well, there's, supplies? There's a couple of things we've done. For example, remember I got some criticism for releasing a million barrels of oil a day from a strategic petroleum reserve. And then along came the industry saying they'd produce another million barrels a day by the spring. So I think we're in relatively good shape. We got it going. Note the question is, what can you do about the future? And Joe Biden's answer is, here's what I've done in the past. Why? Because there's nothing he can do in the future. What he did in the past had minimal impact, and it was just literally kicking the can down the road. Well, what do I mean? You release a million barrels a day. Guess what's going to have to happen? Those million barrels a day uh, are going to have to be made up somewhere in the neighborhood of, what is it, 150 million barrels ultimately? Um you're going to have to get those back into the strategic petroleum reserve. So when by spring, which are you willing and ready to just keep, you know, paying it, taking it in the keister as you fill up your gas tank uh, all the way till spring, in addition to the inflated costs for energy to heat your home this winter, are you willing to keep doing that until spring on the promise from this guy that don't worry, things are going to get better? When, if, in fact, by the spring, the oil industry is able to produce a million barrels a day more, they could if he'd take their uh, his boot off of their neck. But if the, the promise, the pinky swear that, don't worry, we're going to increase this later on, we're going to have to buy that. That increase, if, in fact, they do. They work all winter long to make sure that by spring they can produce another million barrels a day than what we're already getting. The federal government has to buy that up to replenish the strategic petroleum reserve. So ultimately, it would be a lot like treading water. Would it not? It would have no impact. But this is what he's saying he's done and implying that this is what's going to make a difference in the future. Now, I'm, again, no economist, but it just strikes me as odd. Now, why do we have a strategic petroleum reserve? Is it for presidents to play politics You'd think so. Is it for them to bail themselves out every time the gas prices spike and they go, well, I'm going to release some oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. And then it really makes nominal difference. 
But as other factors then bring back down the cost of a gallon of gasoline, they can say, see, it was because I reduced the, uh, I released oil that I've done this. Congratulate me, all glory unto me. I love how they say, there's nothing the president can do to impact oil prices. They didn't cause the prices to go up. There's nothing we can do. And then they do something and they say, see, we did it. We did it. We did it. Why'd you wait so long? If releasing a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was going to drop the price when gasoline was $5 a gallon, why didn't you release a million barrels a day when gasoline was $4 a gallon or when gasoline was $3 a gallon? If you could, in fact, do something about it, if you could, if that was the difference maker, if that's what it was, why'd you wait so long? Because gasoline is still like a buck and a half more than it was when you took office. So people are still getting screwed over when you could have headed this thing off at the pass, Mr. President, because he knows he can't. It's just for show. And in the meantime, that show has left us dangerously low in our strategic petroleum reserve. You would think that a guy saber-rattling toward China and promising to go to war with China should China get a little uppity toward Taiwan would understand that. That if you're promising to go to war with a massive, massive, it's not a complete superpower, but they're on the verge of becoming a superpower, but a massive military power in terms of numbers and in the distance from where they are and geographically, that you would need all the petroleum reserves you possibly can. And right now, thanks to Joe Biden, we are at about half. We are at about half. So, in fact, if you are China and you are inclined to even consider invading Taiwan, it'd probably be a pretty good time. Because of Joe Biden, his indecision, his fecklessness, the mixed messages coming from this administration, the lack of faith in uh, the presidential leadership of the American people, a 42 percent approval rating, the disaster that's still fresh in the minds of, of all of us and the Afghan withdrawal and the fact that we have shipped more of our ammunition to Ukraine than we have now for ourselves, for our own military, that our ammunition stocks are depleted, as well as the fact that our strategic petroleum reserve has been drained to save this guy. Kind of a problem, don't you think? Really easy to ra rattle the saber. It's different, a different game completely when you, the rubber meets the road. Now, if you want to know how I can say, and anybody can say, and anybody could recognize that this 60 Minutes interview was a shell of what 60 Minutes used to be, the son of the president, the only son of the president still alive, is a crack addict with a history of incredible abusive behavior while still somehow managing to make tens of millions of dollars from major corporations, not only in the United States, all of whom had business before the government in a way that was impacted by Joe Biden, either as a United States senator or as vice president, but also around the world in countries where Joe Biden as vice president had influence. Here's how you know that that Joe Biden is corrupt. <clears throat> Hunter Biden was not on the board of foreign companies, paid a fortune, not having money thrown at him 
billions of dollars thrown at him to invest and play with when he had no expertise. None of that happened before Joe Biden was vice president. Isn't that weird? It's just kind of weird how that happened. Burisma didn't come a-calling in the 90s or in the early 2000s when Joe Biden was just a lowly senator. You know, back before Hunter allegedly started smoking crack, right? Started frequenting prostitutes. These companies didn't come calling. They didn't seek out his expert, knowledgeable services until his father became president of the United States, and then they beat a path to his doorway. It's weird how they they did beat that path to his door. They wanted him. They needed him. He was so far down the addict hole and paying a fortune. He was... As much as they were paying him, he was apparently throwing out, I mean, his share. Daddy got 10%. Uncle Uncle Jimmy or whatever the hell his name is, he got another 10%. They, they all got their, their, their taste. Every Biden got their beak wet. But Hunter blew through all his money. He's now in the midst of a, uh, a court fight with his former stripper girlfriend saying he cannot, he needs to reduce the amount of money he's paying in child support to the child he's never once met because he can't afford it. His income has dropped so significantly. Now, his income, we don't know his income, but we do know some of his income. He buys a paint by numbers for like uh, three bucks at the local five and dime. And then he uh, smears the paint on it, or probably has somebody else do it, and he sells it for $75,000. That's what he does. That's the beauty of the whole thing. It's a hell of a racket. His margins would make everybody on Shark Tank drool. But he still he can't pay his child support. In fact, he's, again, he's so destitute that he can't even afford to go and visit the child he had with his stripper girlfriend. Not the one he married. I don't think he married a stripper. I married whoever this current wife is after knowing her for about, a, I think it was a week. It wasn't very long. But he married her while the stripper girlfriend was pregnant. So he has a, maybe he's just confused that his kid with his current wife, maybe he thinks that's the same kid because they were born not that far apart. Anything is possible. Anyway, in the interview with Scott Pelley, he was asked, Joe was asked about Hunter. Because why? Because you can't ignore it, but you can't go into it. There is no going into Every time Joe Biden has spoken about his son and his relationship with his son and his son's businesses, he has lied about it. If you're at all interested in being a journalist, you would say, if you only had one question, and maybe, who knows, maybe the terms of the agreement of uh, 60 Minutes getting the time with Joe was... You can do it, but you can't ask any questions about Hunter. And it's well, we have to ask something. But don't worry, it'll be softball. And they say, okay, you can ask one softball question about it. No follow-ups. And Scott Pelley says, well, psh, of course there'll be no follow-ups. There's no, I'll protect him. God save the king. But uh, there's no way to really, if you had one question, you would ask, hey, Mr. President, you've said on at least a dozen, or at least six occasions, that you never talked to your son about his overseas businesses, never once, never met with any of his, his, his clients or his patrons or whatever, all these people giving him autonomy, never once, never came up. 
And yet, we now know that's not true. White House visitor logs show that when you were vice president, you met with these people a lot. There's a lot of pictures from a lot of golf outings and dinners and things that you attended. And, you know, while you were vice president, there's no other reason to bring you around. So uh, why why did you lie? Or did, did your son lie to you about who these people were and why you were meeting with them? No, that wasn't what Scott Pelley asked. That'd be a little bit, again... Too much like journalism. And Scott Pelley, while he's covered in awards, doesn't really practice journalism. None of them do. So now we get to Scott Pelley's one. It's not even a question. Honestly, I'm looking at the uh, the transcript. I'll read it to you after you hear Scott Pelley say it. But you'd think, you've got to ask one question about his kid, there might be a question mark about it. Instead, he just kind of says, Mr. President, Tell everybody why your son is awesome and why you're not corrupt. That's the gist of it. And his son, Hunter, has been a lightning rod for suspicion. Hunter Biden's former addiction to crack cocaine led to a life he describes as non-stop depravity. He has also acknowledged a federal investigation into his taxes. Congress investigated Hunter Biden's job with a Ukrainian company, at the time that his father ran Ukrainian policy in the Obama administration. A Republican investigation, however, uncovered no wrongdoing by then-Vice President Biden. Mr. President, if you run again, Republicans are most likely to go after your son, Hunter, once again. And I wonder what you would like to say about your son and whether any of his troubles have caused conflicts for you or for the United States? I love my son, number one. He fought an addiction problem. He overcame it. He wrote about it. And no, there's not a single thing that I've observed at all that would affect me or the United States relative to my son, Hunter. Republican investigations are likely to resume if Mr. Biden loses either the House or the Senate. And history shows that presidents usually lose seats in Congress in a midterm election. Oh, that poor Joe. He's going to face those damned Republicans asking questions. Now, did you hear a question mark in what Scott Pelley said? No, you did not. You heard the preamble, the setup, the voiceover. He made sure to set the table. Look, you know, Hunter is a former crack addict, but now he's good. He's totally good. Yeah. If if you know any former crack addicts, you don't don't ask them to come over and water your plants when you're out of town. You go to somebody else. You hire a service. You'd be smart to not trust them because you never know. They could back crack is uh, apparently very, very addictive. And once you like it, you really like it. No, no, no. uh, He lived a life of nonstop depravity. He's acknowledged his uh, investigation into his taxes. That's the least of which. It's not just his taxes about, gee, did he maybe move a decimal point? It's that he's, you know, been accused of money laundering and tax evasion and all sorts of things. And then he miraculously found somebody to give him a million dollars to pay off his taxes. Here's a million dollars. Don't worry, Andre. You pay me back. He's a lawyer, a liberal lawyer, whom I don't think he had a relationship with. Do you know anybody who would just swoop in and give somebody a million dollars to pay their taxes? I don't, I don't think you do. 
So then you get to the policy of the Republican-led investigation. A Republican-led investigation. Yeah, we, we know a lot more now. We know a lot more now because uh, we've had more time to investigate. So looking into this stuff back in 2014 is a little bit different than today. But hey, you know, now we know. Now we have the video of Joe saying when he was vice president, I went over there with a billion dollars and I said, uh, you either fire this guy who's looking into my son's company or uh, you're not going to get the billion dollars. And well, they did it. They fired the guy. We didn't have that back when Republicans were looking into it because Joe wasn't vice president at the time. This was after he left. And so all this stuff comes to light. And you go, well, that's a little bit weird. Maybe we should look back at that again. So instead, Scott Pelley doesn't ask a question about that, doesn't ask about, hey, you said you never met or talked with business, never met with his business partners, nothing. You had nothing to do with any of it. And yet we got picture after picture after picture with you hanging out with these people. Why were you doing Why'd you lie? Well, that's not a lie. I, we were just golfing. We were just having lunch at Cafe Milano. And just, really? Just just doing that. Often you have friends with the, or lunch with your, your while vice president with your son's business partners. Why is it always that your son is hired by companies that have business uh, that you and your position as, in government were able to have influence over? Why is that? Nope. Instead, you get Mr. President. If you run again, Republicans are most likely to go after your son, Hunter, once again. And I wonder what you would like to say about your son and whether any of his troubles have caused conflicts for you or the United States. Wow, that's a hard hit. Hey, attention, Pulitzer Prizes. Forget looking. Stop looking. It's over. <laughs> and of course, Joe, I love my son, number one. Not as much as Bo, obviously, but, you know, he'll do. He's a potential organ donor. That's why we had him. And uh, he fought an addiction problem. He's overcome it. Really? Uh, do we know that for sure? I don't know about it. Did he, he also ever explain why he threw his gun away or somebody threw his gun away? Did he lie on the form? When he, no, you don't. Nobody asked. No questions about that whatsoever. And then he says, and no, this is the part that's key. And no. There's not a single thing that I've observed from all that that would affect me or the United States relative to my son. There's not a single thing. Well, we don't know where Joe got all his money from. We don't know how Joe suddenly is able to become an owner of a whole bunch of homes, really nice homes, in Delaware on a public servant's salary. Now, I understand that the Dr. Jill Biden is a college professor, and college professors can make a pretty penny, but she teaches one class at a community college, so she ain't exactly a leather patch on the sleeves wearing pipe smoking, tenured professor anywhere. She's a glorified high school teacher, so she's not bringing in the money. We know what Joe's salary was. We know that he wrote a book that didn't really sell all that well, but he got a good advance because the publishing industry is in large part a big uh, soft landing program for liberals. But that doesn't explain how he's able to buy so many of these sorts of estates. And if you look at uh, Hunter's income from just what we know, the mayor, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow just gave him a million dollars. I think it was a million or three million. Just gave it to him. 
No expectations. Maybe it was for sex. Who knows? But she just gave it to him. He blew through that. He was making $80,000 a month, month from Burisma for a long time. He still, I believe, owns a piece of that uh, Chinese investment firm that he started with no expertise. So he's, he got his uh, commission on bringing in a billion and a half dollars from there on top of the commission for managing, quote unquote, that money. So he's got money coming in. And somehow he's managed to do all that and cocaine and hookers. I'm pretty sure a normal human being would die. Unless, of course, he just gets the 20% that we know of in that little business breakdown that we saw in Hunter Biden's um, laptop is 10% for the big guy, 10% for Uncle Jimmy, and in other emails where Hunter was complaining about how he had to pay for the whole family's lifestyle because the daughter ain't exactly, you know, Ivy League material, and nobody in the family is really employable, so Hunter has to be the bag man. And then suddenly you go, all right, well, that could explain, because Hunter's not dead from doing that much cocaine, although he did a lot of cocaine. Maybe that's where Hunter's money went. That would be an interesting question to know where Joe got his money from in detail. But Scott Pelley decides to just say... Here, would you like to talk about how evil, mean, weenie Republicans are probably going to go after your son again? I haven't seen any conflict. Yeah, no, you haven't. You've been too busy at the bank finding ways to hide your fortune, Joe. That's what you've been up to, you fraud. They actually say that the uh, the Queen's funeral today was the highest uh, security event in history. I think the highest security event in history is every time Joe Biden is anywhere near anybody with a press pass, except for maybe Peter Ducey, because even the people with the press pass are in it. surrounded by Secret Service and other people who will do anything, anything that is necessary to protect Joe Biden. Like, we will not ask a serious question, all right? Now, even every, even that, every once in a while, Joe Biden goes off on a tangent or says something so wildly stupid or uh, senile that they can't even, they, I'm sure they like kick there and go, oh, God. Why do we have to have this? Why do we have to have this? No, we can't acknowledge. We have to. We have to acknowledge this gaffe. It was always a. Uh, if you worked on the, in the House side, I think it was Sheila Jackson Lee. I might be wrong about the person, but I don't think I am. Sheila Jackson Lee, Democrat out of Texas. There's a jar that goes around Capitol Hill, where everybody who's in on it, you put a dollar in it, right? I think it's per office. You put a dollar in it. And every day you have to give it to somebody else. And they have to put a dollar in it. It's the Sheila Jackson Lee jar. And if Sheila Jackson Lee, on a day that Congress is in session, if she doesn't go down there and give a, a one-minute speech about whatever, pandering to the cameras and playing for the people back home, then you get the money if you happen to have the jar that day. And it gets way up there, hundreds of dollars, because she's down there every single day just giving a speech. It's important to be seen as doing something, way more important than it is in politics, to actually do something. It's sad. Well, in Joe Biden, they, uh, you're, the job of the press is to protect him. They should have a jar going around where they're like, all right, now if you're the one who asks the question where Joe, where we can't defend him, where Joe says something incredibly stupid, you get the jar, you get the money. Then you get ridiculed from your colleagues in the press for being mean about him or causing a problem. But that's it. 
That's how it is. Everybody around the guy is forming a human shield designed to protect him. And he still comes out and says stupid things. He's also asked about Scott Pelley, about can you get things done and what have you. Listen to, with this in mind, remember that the president gave his blood-drenched red speech in front of Independence Hall. His Nuremberg rally speech about how awful and evil those MAGA Republicans and the ultra, the worst type of MAGA Republicans, the ultra MAGAs, and how terrible everybody who didn't vote for him is and how pseudo-fascist they all are or semi-fascist they all are. And then the next day he said, well, I don't think that Trump supporters are semi-fascist. Like, what, well, then why the hell just say it? Well, because he read it from a teleprompter. He's blissfully unaware of what he reads. But he brought that up and he talks about how in the good old days you used to be able to just all get along. Dude, you you just accused half the country of, of being fascist and you're wondering why they're not lining up to kiss your butt the way that the press is. You today think about it. It's all personal attacks. It's about motive. It's not about I disagree with you on the, on the subject matter. And secondly, I think that um, it's I think it's fair to say that We've not had a president like the last president who has made all of it so personal. I've had six Republican senators, I promised I'd never say their names and I won't, come up to me in the last two years and say, Joe, I agree with you, but if I, if I vote this way, it's gonna, they're going to primary, I'm going to lose an election. It didn't used to be that way, but it's coming back a little bit. It's coming back. It's coming back. Who are these six senators, Joe? Who are they? Do they exist? Have you actually had a conversation with any of them? Because uh, the reports are that you don't really talk to Republicans. You don't really talk to Democrats either. You let staff handle that. But I don't think you've had these conversations. But if they are, do the world a favor and say, look, these guys are frauds. All right? These people think that their existence up on Capitol Hill in the United States Senate is far more important than being honest with their constituents. Oh, yeah, no, I totally vote for you. I love this bill. Oh, man, I'd love to rub marmalade all over my glorious naked body and roll throughout this piece of legislation, Mr. President. It's just perhaps the greatest thing ever. But I couldn't possibly vote for it. I'd be primaried. And Lord knows I'm too damned important to not be in the United States Senate. I don't think these people exist, Joe. I think they're figments of your imagination. They're sitting right next to you in jail when you're trying to see uh, Nelson Mandela or marching arm in arm with you through the civil rights movement, which you never did, or all of those other garbage stories. I don't believe you, Mr. President, because you're a liar. Scott Pelley does. Scott Pelley goes, oh, no, it's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. And then Scott Pelley... Ask him why he's so wildly unpopular. I got a few ideas. I just spent this entire show explaining them. But to Scott Pelley, it remains a mystery because he's still got the Tiger Beat cover of Joe Biden on his wall just above his bed. Your approval rating in the country is well below 50%. And I wonder why you think that is. This is a really difficult time. We're at an inflection point in the history of this country. We're going to make decisions, and we're making decisions now, that are going to determine what we're going to look like the next 10 years from now. I think you'd agree that the impact on the psyche of the American people as a consequence of the pandemic is profound. Think of how that has changed everything. The people's attitudes about themselves, their families, about the state of the nation, about the state of their communities. 
And so there's a lot of uncertainty out there, a great deal of uncertainty. Just a great deal of uncertainty, and that's why. It's not that my policies are unpopular. No, it's not that the American public don't want to have the uh, the things I'm trying to ram down their throats, ram down their throats. It's because there's just so much uncertainty. No, in times of uncertainty, in times of concern, in times of worry, people tend to rally around the president, not rally away from the president, not run away from the president, but rally around the president. A solid, strong leader with a clear vision forward will get the American people behind them, not 100 percent. Nobody's going to get 100 percent, but sure as hell a lot more than 42 percent. Sure, and those polls might be outliers. Who knows? But 42%, no. That's why people don't like... No, maybe it's because you're doing a whole bunch of things people don't like. Maybe you're forcing on people a whole bunch of things that they don't want. Maybe they're hearing that you are going to try to force them, like California, to buy a new car in the next 10 years. When you can't afford a new car now, you can't afford a used car now, thanks to your policies. Maybe all of these things are contributing to it. And maybe, maybe after a 50-year career of lying your ass off to the public, has finally caught up with you. And they look at it and they go, yeah, we, we're sick of Donald Trump or whatever. But you're worse. You know, it was personal with Donald Trump. People liked what he was doing. They just didn't like him. With Joe, they liked him, or so they thought. They didn't like what he wanted to do. Now he's doing those things, and they're getting to look at him, and they go, ugh, I don't like either one of these things. Let's hope that trend continues anyway. But there's your 60 Minutes interview. That's all the time we have for today. I'm going to call it a day at that point. Thank you for listening. Now you know the truth about 60 Minutes. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.